would, open in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. We'll be reading from this passage in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 3. While you turn there, I'd like to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for being here. It certainly would be quite different if any single one of you was not here. (laughs) Uh, We are short in numbers this evening because uh, because of so many traveling and so many sick... But even to have a small group gathered together is, is very filling in my heart and very exciting for me to be able to worship with my brothers and sisters. So I thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And as we take some time this evening, I want to, I want to look at something that is quite disturbing for us to have to deal with, for us to have to go through. But the fact is we all probably have already dealt with this in our, in our own lives and will certainly deal with it in the future Unfortunately, in Hebrews chapter 3, start reading in verse 12. We read, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of, any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What I want to talk about this afternoon is the hardening by deceit. Hardening by deceit. When a Christian loses his or her faith, it is a difficult, difficult thing to watch. To watch them drift further and further away from the Lord. Especially when it involves someone who's very close to us. Maybe it's a a really close friend or even a relative. a, A mother or father or a child. It is so hard to watch this. Some might question, they might look at, the, at, at what's going on and they say, well, maybe that person was never truly saved to begin with. This is the approach that the Calvinists often take, affirming that, that they believe in once saved, always saved. So if someone does fall away, well, they were never saved to begin with. And this, this can be possible. Maybe someone was baptized for the wrong reason, or maybe they were not baptized at all but believed they were saved. But more likely is what's talked about here in Hebrews. This danger of apostasy. As it says in verse 13, we can look that we are to watch out for this. To exhort one another daily, what is called today, lest any one of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If an unbeliever can become a believer, then it is certainly true that a believer can likewise become an unbeliever. And therefore lose any security that had been given to them. We might do good to understand what happens whenever we are hardened by deceit and so that we can avoid such a tragedy, such a tragedy. So this afternoon, let's first take a closer look at the deceitfulness of sin. And the first thing we need to know about sin is sin captivates. It captivates us. It entrances us. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25, we see that sin, sin certainly looks ple- uh, pleasing. In verse 25, it says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Sin can certainly look pleasing at times. It can promise pleasures. But these pleasures are passing. They are temporary. They do not last. And we see that sin is a very destructive force that soon follows after it. In the book of Proverbs, and in verse 5, Proverbs verse 5, 
we or excuse me, Proverbs chapter five, we see some of these these destructions that come along with sin. Starting in verse eight, remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest lest you give your honor to others, and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. And say how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ears to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. In these passages we see someone destroyed by sin. But they're not just spiritually destroyed. No, there's more destruction that goes on than that. We see a social destruction, a mental destruction, a very physical destruction that can come with sin. We also see that inside this this lie of the pleasure of sin, there's also a lie that lies within riches. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, we read of this deceitfulness of riches as Jesus talked about it. Matthew 13 and verse 22, where he says, Now he who received seed, uh, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Riches of this world promise us much. The riches of this world promise us pleasure. They promise us power. And they say you will be secure, you won't have anything to worry about. But they, at the very least, are uncertain. We've seen this at time and time again when the economics or when the economy has taken a, a downward turn. First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen calls them just this: uncertain. It says, "Who alone has who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light?" Excuse me, that's the wrong passage. First Timothy six and verse seventeen. I'm in the wrong passage. Commend those who are rich. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Riches are certainly uncertain. And then in verses 9 through 10, it goes on to say that the love of money leads one away. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Sin captivates us. It entrances us and it deceives us with false promises. But after sin captivates us, then sin captures us. John 8 and verse 34, Jesus talked about that that those who commit sin are slaves to the sin. Like one maybe who who is addicted to drugs, sin can be the exact same way to to us. It it snares us. It holds us tight. It's like being bound by something. Then in 2 Peter 2 and verse 19, we see that even those who were once delivered from that bondage can be ensnared again. 2 Peter 2, in verse 19 through 20, says, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. 
But then notice in verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than in the beginning. Even those who have been saved, those who have been purchased and bought and and brought out of the bondage of sin can be entangled, can be ensnared and brought right back into it. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14 through 25. This is kind of a lengthy reading, but it it tells us such a wonderful message that, that we must understand. Wonderful that God is has thought enough to share this with us, to protect us. In Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14, we read, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law. That evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin." What was being said here in these passages? Saying that the, the, captive, the captivity of sin, the bondage of sin, is overwhelming. It is overwhelming. It is not something that we can do, that we can get out of on our own. Without Christ, the will to do good might be present in us. We might desire to do good. But without Christ, the ability is not there. And thus we become slaves to sin. As verse 16 says in chapter 6, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are the one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Sin captures us. It holds us tight and it does so by deceiving us with false promises of freedom. And once enslaved to sin, once we are captured and enticed by it, the downward spiral of apostasy leads towards unbelief through the hardening of sin. First thing I want to look at here is how sin blinds us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start reading verse 17 through 18. We read, "Therefore, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. We consider those who walk in the futility of their mind. It says their understanding is darkened and they are alienated. They are separated from God. And it is because of their ignorance. It is because of their blindness that this happens. 
And that's what sin does to us. It, it blinds us. It puts the blinders on so we can't see the, the, the beauty of Jesus and, and, and what we need to see from Him. But rather just focus on that sinful desire that we have. We can't take our eyes off of it. 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, if we look back over there, this time picking up in verse 20 where we let off, it once again says that this can happen to those who were once saved. Again, starting in 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Then in verse 21, for it would have been better for them to have known the way, uh, excuse me, for them for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to this true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. They are entangled, become overcome by the pollutions of this world, and now it is worse than before they ever became a Christian. It is worse for them to have been enslaved by sin, to become blind to the reality around them. And after sin has blinded us, then sin begins to harden our hearts. Again, we consider those who walked in the futility of their minds in Ephesians, but now we look in verse 19, and Ephesians 4 says, "...who are past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all in cleanliness with greediness." And in verse 22 it says that, that we are to put off Concerning our former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. According to the deceitful lusts. There are those again who are entangled and overcome. And that they are past feeling. They are given over. Given over to lewdness, to moral, uh, moral uncleanliness and greediness. And we see that these people have become corrupt Corrupt according to the deceitful lusts that they have in their lives. That is what it means by hardening. That is exactly how sin hardens us. It moves us past feeling. I'm reminded of, of, of a man once who, who wanted to learn to ride a horse. He said, I would really love to do this. I'd love for you to teach me how to ride a horse. So he went to a guy and, and he asked him, he said, sure, come on out to the ranch sometime, we'll, we'll go riding. And so they go out and they rode for a couple hours that first day. And when he got back, he couldn't hardly walk. He was in so much pain. His, his backside was blistered. His back was achy and sore. And he's like, how on earth do you do this? And he said, don't worry, the more you do it, the less it hurts. Because you become calloused. You don't feel the blisters anymore. Your back, it, it changes so that it can handle the pain and so that it, it, the, the brain knows to send things, uh, send chemicals there to, to lessen the pain so that you can help ignore the pain. That's exactly what sin does to us. That's exactly how sin works in us. It, it helps us to not feel the pain of being separated from God. It helps us to be blinded by that and to look for ways to, to remove ourselves from that pain, to remove ourselves from those feelings, and to become corrupted and given over to it. And once again, not only is this something that those of the world have to look out for, but Hebrews chapter 3 says that those who are saved, the same thing can happen to us. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. As we read before, brethren... Beware, 
Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We can become hardened, which can lead to us having an evil heart of belief in departing from God. Apostasy is real. Apostasy can happen. And it makes it difficult for others. It makes it difficult for us to reach out their hands. It makes it difficult for others to reach out their hearts. And it makes it very difficult for others to break through that hardness as long as they persist in, as Hebrews 6 verse 4 says, crucifying the Lord again. Hebrews 6 verse 4 through 6, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away, it is to renew themselves again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. It makes it difficult for others to break through that hardness when they persist in sinning willfully. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses, Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of God? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The hardening of sin. sin leads us to a terrifying, terrifying end. Whether it be for the alien sinner who is hardened by deceit, we know that there is still hope. There is still hope through the gospel of Christ. As Romans 1 and verse 6 says that that it contains the power of God to save. Romans 7 tells us that it breaks through the bondage of sin. But also for the erring Christian who is hardened by deceit, by deceit, deceit, there is still again hope. There is still hope that we have through the chastening of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 30, we read, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we were, would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we, not, that we may not be condemned with the world. Again, we see that God chastens the erring Christian. He chastens those uh, to help them soften their hearts, to help them come back from their erring ways. And He does it for the same reason that a father chastens his sons, Hebrews chapter 12 says he does it because he loves us. He loves his children. In chapter in verse 5 of Hebrews 12, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, 
Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which, you, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us And we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. At times, it may seem impossible. At times, it may seem impossible to break the stranglehold that sin can get on our lives. To crush through the hard hearts, maybe of a loved one who is deceived by sin. But let us not underestimate the power of the gospel of Christ and the love of God to break those hard hearts. To melt away the stone. And reveal a living heart that lives underneath. Let us stand ready to assist those who positively respond to God's grace. And in the meantime, while we look to help others around us. Let's also remember the admonition that we have already read several times. But it's so important. Of Hebrews chapter 3. Especially verse 13. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This afternoon, I'd ask yourself, I'd ask you to ask yourself, are you hardened by the deceit of sin? Take some time to look at your own heart, to look at your own life, to try and remove any blinders that Satan may put in your, in your way to keep you from seeing the sin that is in your life. But truly open up your heart to the Lord and to the love and to the chastening that He offers us. This afternoon, if there is some way that that we can be of assistance to you, whether it be to to help you in becoming a child of God or to, to help you furthering your walk with the Lord, we're going to stand and sing this song, number three. And as we do so, and as we sing the words to this song, I would hope that you would consider your state, consider your heart, and consider what the Lord can do for you. If there's some way that we can help you, I encourage you, please come forward now. Thank you.